You're visiting the mom next door and our stories of faith. I'm glad you dropped by for a visit. Please stay a while and hear what the Lord has done in the lives of moms just like you and me. Well, I feel like I've known today's guest for decades, and it's because of his influence in our own family. Many of you have heard about my prayer bracelets and how I use them to remember to pray for my children. But Rolf, the guest today, is the one who introduced me to another practice in our home many years ago through his book called The Family Blessing. I wrote a blog post about it and about its impact in our home a few years ago. And the article I wrote was also shared in Above Ruby's magazine. Most people only know to bless someone when they hear a sneeze, but there's a lot more to it than that. And so, Rolf, would you just introduce yourself and then we'll just talk about the blessing. Thank you, Pam. I'd be happy to. I am a grandpa of six, um, almost 78 years old, and I've spent my entire adult life as uh, in the Christian publishing world in some facet or another most of it uh, in getting Christian product into the general market for non-believers and seekers to be able to have access to and to read. I, I was born in a Christian home. My dad was a Norwegian immigrant, came from uh, with his older brother. He and his older brother were the two youngest of 10 in their family. And they met uh, in their church over here. They met the two oldest girls of a family of 14 and uh, so, and they married sisters. So I've got aunts and uncles, uh, I had all over the place. My dad came to this country to become a pastor and go to seminary. He ended up never doing that. He was a lifelong Gideon and spoke in countless churches, but he made sure that his boys uh, knew and understood the call of God on our lives. And he would tell me often, Ralph, if God calls you to be a missionary, don't stoop to be a king. And I realized this is a, a man who comes from a monarchy in Norway, and he knew what a king was, a top of the food chain. But he considered being called by God to be a missionary, to be able to share our faith with others uh, as an even higher calling. So when I was in uh, eighth grade, ninth grade, my English teacher asked if there, uh, each of us would write a a paper on what we wanted to be when we grew up or got big. So the night before it was due, which was usually when I did my work, I sat down and I wrote this out. And this is verbatim of what I wrote on my paper. Uh, when I was a little kid, I used to think it would be fun to be a fireman or a policeman. But now I know that I want to be a missionary so that I can tell people in other countries about Jesus who don't know him. And I wrote it out in a scratch piece of paper, and then I realized it wasn't very long. So I found a yellow sheet of lined paper, wide line, and I printed in big, bold letters and double-spaced uh, every other line and uh, left wide gaps between my misspelled words. It was... <laughs> And it still only filled half a page. And I thought, well, this isn't really sufficient. And it only had one sentence. And so I dropped a couple of periods in there somewhere. I'm not sure where. And uh, the next day, I took my paper back to school. And there were only 11 boys, no girls in our class. And I handed my paper into the teacher. And then she did this thing where she shuffled the papers and handed them back out to the class. 
and somebody else was now going to read what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I was mortified because I kept the fact that I was, uh, the reason I was a little different was because I was a Christian, quiet. And uh, lo and behold, a kid in the uh, room, I got one by a guy named Adam Tomash, and he wanted to be a veterinarian. And it was a page and a half long, single spaced, a narrow line paper, had paragraphs, something I wasn't very familiar with. But then the teacher asked if there was anybody in the class that had a paper they thought was exceptionally good. And uh, this kid in the, by the window raised his hand and said, yes, Miss Shipley, I have one that I think is exceptionally good. And she called him up to the front of the class. His name was Kit. And I could see through the paper that the writing on that yellow piece of paper only went halfway down the page. And I knew what he was reading. And I dropped my head on my desk and I started to bawl because he was reading my paper. When I was a little kid, I used to think it would be fun to be a fireman or a policeman. And the kid sitting next to me reached over and patted me on the back. And he said, that's all right, Ralph, that's a good job. You know, we need more people like that. And the more he patted me, the harder I cried. Finally, the time came when there was a clear and a definite call uh, to be a missionary. I went to a missionary training center Bethany Fellowship in Bloomington, Minnesota. And at the age of 22, went down to Puerto Rico as, as a single person to uh, become a missionary. And my job was peddling Christian books door to door all day, every day. After about two years, a year and a half, I really realized I needed a life partner. I needed a wife. I wanted somebody that I could share my experiences with. And uh, long story short, remembered a gal that I had dated in college, wrote to find out if she was available, and she was. And uh, we ended up with a very short courtship and a very long marriage. We are now 53 and a half years of marriage, two kids and six grandkids, and uh, so grateful. Anyhow, when she came down to Puerto Rico after our marriage, we ended up having our son, Nothing was more important than how we raised him to be a follower of Jesus and to make sure that we imparted God's favor and the power of his goodness into his life in any number of ways. About that time, there was a book that was published called The Christian Family by Larry Christensen. And it was a, a mega bestseller for Bethany House Publishers. And uh, I had started a Spanish publishing company in Puerto Rico by that time. I wanted to publish it in Spanish. In the meantime, I was asked to teach the book in our church. And as I was preparing, I read a half a page that he had in there about a practice that he had of blessing each of his four kids every night before they went to bed. And I read that and I thought this, I have to learn more about this because it was such a brief, it just, he just said, this is what we did. He didn't say why or how or anything like that, but I knew I was interested and so, when we published the book in Spanish, I invited Larry Christensen, the author, down to Puerto Rico for meetings and to launch the book. And we had one night when we could just have him to ourselves. And so Mary, my wife, and I grilled him for an hour and a half on what it meant that practice, how he came about it and why he did it and what it meant, all those things. And when he was finished and he left, I said to Mary, this is for us. And I went down to our son's bedroom. He was two and a half years old and sleep. And I sat down in bed 
and I put my hand on my head and I prayed and I said, Lord, I don't know where this is going. I don't know what you have in mind. I don't know, you know, anything other than that I need to do this tonight. And then I put my hand on his head and I prayed and I said, the Lord bless you, Carlton. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And as I did, I realized that something more than words were coming in my mouth, that I was literally imparting God's favor to my son. And I burned the ball. I just wept by him. And I went back to our bedroom, uh, and Mary was already in bed, and she was six months pregnant with whatever our next child was going to be. In those days, we didn't know. I didn't know what or how many, <laughs> for that matter. But I said, Mary, I can't wait until we have this other child so that I can do this to that one, too. And she said, well, why wait? We already have the child. We just don't know what it is yet. So I put my hand on her tummy, and I prayed and committed that child to the Lord. And then I said, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his countenance by you, make his face shine by you, all of that. And as I did, I just realized that this was something that was going to be a part of our lives every day. And for the next three months, I did that with Mary every night before we went to bed. And I did it with my son. My son is now 52. And my daughter is 49, uh, Lisa Faith. And they have been receiving blessings every day of their lives. When they were at home, they got a hands-on physical nighttime blessing. And it was a practice that meant incredibly much to them, something that has been very, very important in our lives. I remember a time I was doing a lot of traveling internally, lots of long trips, three to five weeks long. Often when I would leave on those trips, Mary would have me make a cassette tape with a greeting and a blessing for every night. And uh, I'd play for them when I was gone. And uh, other times she would just go over and do the blessings uh, for me when I was gone. But on one particular trip, I was going away for several weeks and uh, to Asia, and my daughter, 11 years old at the time, she said, Dad, how long are you going to be on this trip? And I said, well, I'm sure four or five weeks, I guess. No, she said, how many nights are you going to be gone exactly? And I thought she means this, and I got up, and I went and to my calendar, and I looked, and I came back, and I said, Lisa, I'm going to be gone 32 nights. And she looked at me and said, well, Dad, then you've got to give me 32 blessings right now. And I knew she was in business. So I settled down beside her on her bed and put my arm around uh, her under her head and my hand on her head. And I said, Lisa, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And she said, that's one, Dad, 31 more. And she counted all the way down until the last one. And when I had finished, she said, okay, Dad, you can go on your trip. Everything is going to be just fine. And it meant so much to her to know that she had a covering over her. So that's been a practice in our, in our family all the way growing up. It carries on to the next generation. My oldest granddaughter is now soon 30 in one month. She'll be 30 years old, and she has never known not being blessed. All of my daughter's kids, she has four of them. 
and they have been blessed every day of their lives as well. And uh, there are just a lot of really good things that can come from that. I was sharing this with a, a publisher in, in uh, Dallas at Word Publishing about over 30 years ago. And he said, Ralph, you need to put this in a book. And I said, I sell books. I don't write books. He said, no. He said, I'll, I'll, I'll work with you on this. This is a mess to get out. And so in 1990, my book, The Family Blessing, was first published by Word Publishing. It happened to be picked up by Dr. James Dobson and used as a premium over on Focus on the Family. And they took like 11,000 copies of this. And I thought, this is great. Now it's been out for nearly 30, over 30 years in 10 languages and sold about 350,000 copies around the world. And I'm so grateful and so blessed to know that the story is reaching other people. When I did that, I began to research a little more on what the meaning of the words were in the Hebrew and the Greek. It's quite interesting to, to me. Uh, the word in the Hebrew is berakah, and it means to impart God's favor and the power of his goodness into another person. And this was typically done by laying hands on that person as they did it. A father would do this to his firstborn son. Priests would do it. And it was a sacred occasion uh, in scripture when this was being done. And we remember the story of uh, Jacob and Esau and uh, how Jacob stole the birthright and the blessing from Isaac. And that once it was said, it couldn't be retracted. He couldn't take it back and say, oops, and give it again then to Esau. He had to give a different blessing to Esau than the one that he had already given. Unfortunately well, for us, that's not the case. We can give the same blessing to as many people as we wish and uh, as often as we wish. The word in the New Testament is eulageo in the Greek. And uh, the word eulageo is spelled E-U-L-O-G-E-O. And we get the word eulogy from eulageo. And it literally means to speak well of or to express praise. So it's so sad when you think about a eulogy, um, because when are they given? They're given at funerals, after the person about whom we're saying all these wonderful good things can no longer hear them. The idea of a eulogy, eulageo, is that it be given to that person while they are capable of hearing it and receiving it. When we stop to think of speaking well of or expressing praise, encouraging words that build another person up rather than tear them down, there is the counterpart of eulageo, and it's kakologeo, which means to speak ill of or to revile. It's a curse. And there's too much of that going on, even in Christian homes, unfortunately. This can be done with family nicknames. I had one person that told me her dad only ever called her Dumb Debbie. It just is a, a really sad thing. She'll never really outlive that. The option is for us to speak words of encouragement, words and elevate them and enable them to think uh, that they're capable of doing more than what they would normally do. Well, I was wondering, so I have a few questions. And one of the things I was wondering was, do we need some sort of 
specific authority to be allowed to speak blessing into somebody's life. You talk about um, that biblical example, and it was a father speaking into the sons. Now, a lot of us listening are moms. And then there's also, well, I have to say, so you, your book found its way into our hounds. I don't remember if it was through focus on the family or what, but my first son was born in 1996. And somewhere after that, I ended up getting a copy of the blessing and I read it and I told, showed it to my husband and he said, yeah, we have got to do this. And so we started um, saying a blessing over our children at night. And we did use the same blessing for each of them. And it was funny because we ended up having nine children. And I, I kind of remember it's like, do you line them all up and bless them each one at a time? Do you do it as a group? You know, a boy, there's some pronouns involved. So we bless the boys with the male pronouns and then the girls with the girl pronouns. And so um, in a practical term, you know, the blessing is probably going to look a little different in every home. And you mentioned, you know, you traveling and sometimes your wife giving the blessing, but it also makes me think about, are we just blessing our own children? Can we speak in and, and um, speak that blessing over people we meet? And I love the way that you connected that to the idea of eulogy. Why do we need to wait until someone is gone to speak into them and to, to speak those good things? Yeah. Well, not everyone can speak well of another person. That doesn't have to be a man or uh, the head of the household or, or be an ordained minister or priest. Uh, this is something that all of us are encouraged and told to do. There are, there's a word in, in the Greek in the New Testament called al- alalan, and it means the one another. And this is just a little list. It's mentioned a hundred times in the New Testament. And these are some of the one another's that we would do. We can love, told to love one another, be devoted to one another, to honor one another, live in harmony with one another, another, be like-minded towards one another, accept one another, admonish, greet, care for, serve, bear one another's burdens, forgive, be patient. All of these things, it's a long list of things that we are told to do. These are all forms of blessing. These are all words of edification. They're all eulageos that we can speak towards one another. And it's for everybody to everyone. I remember a time when our grandson, when he was five years old, he's a leukemia survivor. He got it when he was three and went through three years of that protocol. And one night he was sleeping over at his friend's house. And when they went, were put to bed, he said, we can't go to bed. And his friend Sam said, why not? He said, well, we have to get our blessing. And he said, what's that? And he said, go get your mom. She knows. And he went out and he said, mom, you got to come and give a blessing. And she didn't know what it was. And so she came, he came back into the room and he said, she doesn't know what to do. And Vaughn, our grandson, said, well, here's what we'll do. And he put his hand on his friend Sam's little head and he spoke the blessing that he had received every night. And he said, now you do it to me. And he said, I don't know what to say. And so Ron grabbed Sam's hand, put his hand, Sam's hand on his head and said, repeat after me. 
<laughs> so he could get his blessing. It meant that much to him to be able to receive it. I, at work, when we've had our company, we I would go through the company and speak words of encouragement deliberately and individually to people that were there that were doing a good job or that I knew were having a hard time struggling with things at home or whatever else. And it invariably just brightened their lives. Uh, it's a practice you just get used to doing. It's so easy to tear someone down and to see the faults and find the in their lives and, and ridicule them for that. But it takes an, a deliberate act to be a, a good finder. I had an old friend named Zig Ziglar, he's a motivational speaker, a dear friend, and he would often say, learn to be a good finder. Look for that in a person that you can speak well of, about which you can express praise. Who was that friend? Zig Ziglar. I read some books by Zig Ziglar when I was in high school. Yeah, see you at the top was his best known. He was a good golfing buddy of mine and a dear friend for 35 years before he went to be with the Lord. Well, I will I will jump in to say that when we started giving blessings, saying the blessing over our children, then it did not take any time for them to memorize it and to anticipate the next word in it. And they don't even understand what all the words mean, but they know like your grandson, they know it's important. They know that it gives them peace at night and it's part of their routine. And yep. my littlest right now, he's just eight years old. And what's funny is he has the whole thing memorized as well. And when I bless him at night, he puts his hand on me and he blesses me and and he kind of plays with it in when I use those male pronouns, God bless him with, you know, all these things. And he puts the pronouns in for me. So we kind of have like this blessing war. I don't know if that's the right term, but we, we bless each other at the same time, switching out the pronouns. And I am actually going to try to drop right into this point of our interview, a recording I made of his voice saying the blessing. Now I will say, he says it very quickly, and I always try to slow him down when I do it with him, but he knows every single word. God bless you with grace and, and peace. Power and protection, health and healing, holiness and godliness, abundance and prosperity, and all of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. And with all of your sides, O Lord, as her days increase, blessed and died, her wherever she may be, deep in her, and spotted from the world, saints of her, and she stands, comfort her, and disturbs the sorrowful, and wait for her to cease to fall. And in her home, may her peace which passes understanding, and by all the days of her life, for Jesus Christ, O Lord, amen. We tried a lot of different blessings from scripture on our kids. And of course they, they received them all, but invariably they came back and they said, dad, we really like this one. The Lord bless you and keep you. And it just became the go-to one that's part of it. In fact, my wife about 15 years ago gave me a license plate for my car, cut personalized license. And it said L-B-K-Y. And everybody looks at it and tries to like tool boyaki or something. And I said, no, the T-L-B-Y-A-K-Y stands for the Lord bless you and keep you. 
And so whenever people see this, whether it's at a car wash or a parking area, it's my chance to speak a little word of kindness and blessing into the life of that person who asks or is curious about what it is. The other thing, too, is that this you've been talking about your kids and blessing you. This is the blessing is really a generational. There is a dear friend that wrote the foreword to my book by the name of Michael. And David is the, the head of, he used to be the pastor uh, for family and parenting at John Piper's Church, Bethlehem Baptist in Minneapolis. And uh, he now has a different uh, ministry called Truth 76. But he uh, had a vision, he said one time, of father kneeling beside his son's bed with his hands on him, blessing him. And he thought this is unusual. Uh, he had two daughters, not a son, and he couldn't figure it out. And then he said he realized that this was his great, 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 great blessing, his great, 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 great grandson, and that God is a generational God, and that these are practices that can be implanted in the minds of these as kids and carried on throughout their entire lives. There's another friend, John Ankerberg. He's known as the Bible Answer Man. He has seven kids, and his father was failing and in bad health. And he wanted, his father wanted to bless every one of John's kids before he died. And so John would bring each of the kids in on a different day, and his father would speak the blessing into the lives of each of his seven kids. And after he finished blessing the last one that he brought in, he said, now I can go. And within a day or two, he passed away. But it was important for him to make sure that he had passed on one last blessing to each of his grandchildren. That's the generational aspect of it. I read in a, a book years ago called The Birthright by a South African pastor. And in there, he mentions that inside every acorn is an entire forest. And when you stop to think about it, I would think of an acorn as squirrel food or maybe a seed for an oak tree. But when you look at it in the terms of blessing, you realize that inside that acorn is the potential for an entire forest. And when you look at the man who uh, David Michael said, his great-great-grandson blessing his great-great-great-great-grandson, that God is definitely a generational God. Give it time. If this practice were embraced by Christians all over the world in generations, that practice would be extended on millions and millions of people everywhere. And I pray that that is something that, that actually happens. I love that your daughter was saying she has never known a time of not being blessed. What a treasure for our children to grow up, not even knowing what it would be like if someone wasn't speaking into them and imparting on them. Another question I kind of have is, do I need to use the word blessing? You know, ours starts with God bless you with grace and peace. Now that's just a blessing I do at nighttime, but we can be blessing our children in a less formal way throughout the day. Is that still a, a blessing or do yes, we need yes. to make sure we're using the words? 
Yeah, that goes back to the Yulaga'o word, that these are speaking well of and expressing praise. It can be everything from good job or you look great today. There are many ways in which we can affirm and lift up and elevate someone in, with the words that we use, as opposed to just a harsh word. The ancient Hebrews believed that once a word is spoken, it has permanent lifetime. It can't be taken back. And uh, that's, that's really true. We can say, I'm sorry, and all of that. But these, these words are words that stay. I remember, and this is, this is a good thing about the practice of committing to a daily blessing of our kids. There were days when I really didn't feel like giving them a blessing, either because I was out of sorts or because they had done something and I'd rather just send them to bed without supper or something like that. But I couldn't do that because I had made that commitment that I'm going to go in and I'm going to impart God's favor and the power of his goodness into my child. I'm going to speak well of that child. And so I would have to go in, even though it had been rough. And I would say, Lisa or Carlton, this has been a tough day. And I'm really sorry. Please forgive me uh, for what I said. I didn't mean it. I was frustrated. And we inevitably, every single time, that issue was forgiven and we were released from it and we would hug and then I was able to speak God's favor into them in a way that was healing and not leave them to lay awake and worry about that okay or is he going to hate me Carl but no it uh, is a wonderful way to bring healing into a relationship and it, this is something that can go on into adulthood. Uh, we still, our, our kids, like I said, are 52 and 49. Every time we are with them, um, we hug, I give them a kiss on the cheek, tell them I love them, and I bless them. It's just what we do. And they do that with their kids. It keeps the air clean, so we aren't tempted to say those things that are hurtful, and it gives us the opportunity to make sure that healing into the situation, if we do do that, and I, I'm so grateful for that healing aspect of it. That's so good. I wish we had time to pick your brain for everything and explain every minute detail, but I know we don't. And you do have this book. Now, you told me that it was not currently in print, but your son is working on getting it back in print again, which will be exciting when that comes out, though you said it'll be about a year from now. But if anybody wants to get a hold of it sooner than that, you do have some of the original copies that you can send out if they mail you a check and yep. email you. And so yep. I'm going to put your email address in my show notes for today where people can look at that. And so you might get an email or two. But is there anything else where, any place else where people could get a hold of you? Probably email is best. Email is best. My name is Rolf Garborg, and my email address is garborgrolf at gmail.com. So it's G-A-R-B-O-R-G-R-O-L-F at gmail.com. And I do respond to every email that I get that isn't spam. So uh, I will definitely answer you. You're welcome to, uh, to do that. And I do have copies. I send them out there, $13, and uh, I will include free postage. 
on those. So a check to me for $13 can do that. My son is the uh, owner of Broad Street Publishing, and that will be coming down the road later on. They are the publisher of the Passion Translation of the Bible and uh, currently doing all of the Chosen books for Dallas Jenkins, the Chosen series on, on the TV. So it's a good publisher. I'm very proud of my son for what he's doing. That's really exciting. Yeah. Well, there's no time like the present to start. You might say, I wish I had known this when my kids were young. I've heard that so many times. And it doesn't matter if they're adults, now you can start. It can even operate the other way around where as a grown child, you may not have the best relationship with your mother or father. And you can initiate this and speak God's favor and the power of his goodness into your parents. I've seen miraculous things happen with people who have done that. Strained relationships, very cold, not loving, but where they were able to do that. And uh, in one case in particular, she blessed her dad and her dad had never done it to her. And he said, I, uh, he received it. And, uh, and she said, now I want you to bless me. And he said, I don't know what to say. And once again, she said, repeat after me. And for the first and only time, he was able to actually do that to his daughter, who was 45 at the time. So this is something that can begin anytime. It's just important to start. It doesn't matter if you feel like you failed or if you read it poorly or you didn't know or which one to give, do it. That's the important thing. And once you start, you'll begin to see things change. Um, I've had, got letters, hundreds of letters from people who have said things like, my son was failing in school, and when I started blessing him, he went to straight A's. Uh, literally, this is happening. Because the tension at home was broken, and love began to replace that tension, and, uh, and animosity or whatever was there. We need desperately for fathers and mothers to be able to impart God's favor into their kids today more than ever. And I'll say this, especially for fathers. We live in a fatherless society so much today. And we desperately need fathers to begin again to take that role of being a, a voice of God into the lives of their kids and express God's love to them, his forgiveness, and to be able to spend time with them and to bless them. That's just critical for today. You know, I think that if you have not had that relationship with someone and you, like you said, it's not too late, you get started now, what an opportunity and how, you know, difficult, but in a beautiful way to be humble and to learn that. And I think that when we are that humble, it's like we're inviting God to work in our own lives. And so I, it, that does not surprise me at all that when people start to bless their children or to bless their parents or anybody in their relationship that they see God work, that makes absolute sense to me. Yeah. Amen. It's, and the other thing is look at the long-term benefit of this. It's not a quick fix. It's not, oh, I tried that. I'll try this. 
it's not like a vending machine as well. If I put this in here, I get this out of my kid. It's not how it works. We're not manipulating people. We are imparting God's favor and the power of his goodness into our own kids. And we can do this to anyone we need and uh, can do it. You should hear my wife when she's on the phone. It doesn't matter if it's a repair service or a techie at Apple or something like that. And she always ends it with saying, have a blessed day. She's just using that to bring a little light into the life of people who might be stressed out, people she doesn't even know. And uh, I love that. That's wonderful. Rolf, I want to ask you if you would mind closing out this podcast and maybe even blessing our listeners today. I would be thrilled to do that. I'd like to just uh, say to the listeners that uh, this is something that I believe is a God-ordained practice. It's something that I have seen the results, um, the positive results of on countless occasions, and that I encourage you to begin the practice of speaking God's favor and his goodness into the lives of other people, especially with your spouse or your children. So, Father, I just want to thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be here with Pam and to share some thoughts that you have made real in my life. And I ask that by your Holy Spirit, you would open the minds and hearts of the listeners to be able to, uh, that they are worthy of this, that they are capable of this, and that they have the commitment to do it on a long-term basis and make it a regular practice in their lives. I ask you, Lord, to uh, illuminate their minds and their hearts with new ways in which they can do this and uh, creative uh, as you are creative in them. Uh, open opportunities and doors for them, and may this be something that allows them to grow in you as well. And uh, then pour out your spirit on, on these kids, Lord, each of them, that they would receive your uh, affirmation of the well done good and faithful servant and speak through their parents these words of, of affirmation and kindness into their lives that they would not be discouraged or put or bullied at school, but that they would have uh, the blessing at home that would carry them through that. So we just learned that this be a uh, day of uh, new beginnings in the countless homes that are listening and that uh, this would be a practice that would become a part of their regular lives. I ask you to bless the parents, Lord, and to uh, reveal yourself to them in this practice as well. In the name I pray, amen. Amen. Rolf, we have been blessed by listening to you today. And so thank you so much for joining me. And maybe we'll do it again next year when your book gets re-released. All right. God bless you, Pam. I hope that you've been encouraged or challenged in your faith today and that something we discussed prompts you to grow deeper in your walk with the Lord. If it has, make sure you tell a friend so they can grow along with you. And if you or a friend would like to be a guest and share about God's faithfulness in your life, please email me at podcast at Because when we tell of God's faithfulness, we never run out of stories. Whatever is true. Whatever is known, think all these things. Think